This is 35 West, a podcast about politics and policy of the 35 countries in the Western Hemisphere. I'm Richard Miles, Deputy Director of the Americas Program and Director of the U.S.-Mexico Futures Initiative at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Was how professional the Mexican but government. are we ready? Long-term I don't reform think. trends in Argentina. Right. And that's what no happened. Role at all in the NAFTA negotiations. In this podcast series, we'll discuss some of the biggest issues affecting countries in our own backyard. Nicolás Maduro is running out of time. A new presidential period starts January 10th, but according to the Venezuelan constitution and about 50 countries, Maduro will not be a true president. For those who are not watching Venezuela as closely, Venezuelan's presidential elections were held in May 20th, but those elections did not follow free and fair procedures. Those elections were rightly denounced as a shame by the U.S. and other democracies around the world. So how should the Venezuelan Democrats forces and the international community respond after January 10th? What are the political, diplomatic, and legal implications of not recognizing Maduro as president of Venezuela? And who should fill that void? My name is Moises Rendon. I'm the Associate Director and Associate Fellow of the Americas Program. And to help us navigate this complex issue here with me are two top experts. Mark Schneider, he's a senior advisor with the Americas Program. He served as senior vice president and senior advisor of the International Crisis Group. He also served as director of the Peace Corps and an assist, assistant administrator of the USAID for Latin America. Thank you, Mark, for being here. It's great to have you. Antonio de la Cruz, he has had more than two ta- decades of experience in the Venezuelan energy sector. He served in senior positions in the Venezuelan state oil PDVSA. And now he's the executive director of Inter-American Trends, a consulting firm in Washington, D.C., in which he leads the political and economical analysis of Latin America's current trends, including Venezuela, his native country. And thank you, Antonio. Welcome to 35 West. Thank you, Moises, for the invitation. Let's start with you, Antonio. I think it's important to put in the, in the, in the context the internal domestic dynamics of how the opposition and the National Assembly in Venezuela are thinking to respond to this January 10th issue, right? So we know the National Assembly and the Venezuelan opposition are currently debating how to respond towards January 10th. On one hand, there is a constitutional legal problem, as we mentioned. Maduro won't have any legitimacy to continue in office after January 10th. And he may not be recognized as president by many of those countries who did not recognize the results, right, of the Venezuelan elections. But on the other hand, there is a need to recognize someone or something who can fill that void to represent the Venezuelan people and the Venezuelan state, right, inside and outside of the country. So if the international community chooses to challenge Maduro's right to continue in office, who should step up to fill that void? Um, And if it's the National Assembly, what shape should that take? What are the current strategy within the National Assembly and the opposition towards that goal? Thank you for the question. It's a very good one because even though I am not a lawyer, okay, but according to Venezuela Constitution, Article 233, when there is an absolute lack of the president of the republic, the president of the National Assembly will assume the position of the presidency of the republic while the new president is elected and take office by the new universal direct and secret election. Therefore, Juan Guaidó of Voluntad Popular, Leopoldo López Political Party, 
will be the head of state, according to the new release yesterday, that is going to be the new National Assembly president from January 5th. So is that decided already, the opposition, the Venezuelan opposition? They make a decision. They already made a decision. Yeah. And it's Juan Guaidó. Juan Guaidó. Who is within the Voluntad Popular. Popular Party. On the second one, the National Assembly is the best option because it is going to be the only legitimate power left after January 10th, 2019. So the shape that could be put in place is an interim government in exile initially, until the condition in Venezuela allows a new presidential election. Since Venezuela is not a democracy, we should expect that the status quo in the judiciary and the military power won't obey the National Assembly actions to reestablish the Constitution according to the Article 333 and 350. I believe that both the National Assembly and the opposition are ready to assume this step. If they don't do it, Maduro will be in power for a long time. This opportunity is one of the best options for the international community and the opposition to reach an agreement with Maduro's regime to solve Venezuela governance and humanitarian crisis. Mark, I want to get to you because I, I think this is a very important issue and, and I know it's very complex. You were here when we hosted Cheryl Urban, the Director General for South American and Inter-American Affairs at Global Affairs Canada, which is the U.S. State Department equivalent in Canada. And I want to quote her because this issue is very important. It's relevant to what Antonio is saying that what the, the, opposi the Venezuelan opposition plans are, right? And she says, when it comes to Canadian foreign policy, Canada recognizes states and not governments. So what that means for Canada is that for us, this is, this is not a question of whether we recognize the presidency, but rather this is a question of how Canada will conduct relations with the state of Venezuela. So they believe, Canada believes, that January 10th marks the beginning of an illegitimate term And they have, along with our, their Lima Group countries, declared that the elections that took place in May were fraudulent and have rejected the results of those elections, right? So we have that issue of recognizing states versus recognizing governments. But also, as Antonio was mentioning, now we have an issue of a government in the exile. So can you give us your thoughts of all these complex three type of figures that we have, states recognizing government, government recognizing governments versus recognizing states versus recognizing governments in the exile? Well, I, it obviously is a very complicated uh, issue. Um, and it begins with the question of recognition of the nation state and then recognition of the government of that nation state. And at this point, most of the countries in the hemisphere um, have uh, obviously recognized the nation state of Venezuela. Um, and what they've said, though, is that the government that currently exists is legitimate. It was elected, the Maduro government, uh, even though it's violated all of the institutional norms, both of uh, Venezuela and of the uh, Inter-American uh, Democratic Charter. Uh, but they also have said that after January 10th, the, that government is no longer legitimate because of the point you made that the election... Uh, earlier this year was uh, was not legitimate, not fair, not free, and violated uh, international norms. It is up to each state, the United States, the Lima Group, 
whether or not they will recognize a government, whether they will accept the legitimacy of a government. At this point, one would hope that the Lima Group would come together. The technical uh, members of the foreign ministries are meeting uh, on the 19th in, in Bogota, I believe, uh, and this is one of the issues that they will discuss. They could make a judgment that they will not be able to recognize the government of Maduro after January 10th, and if the National Assembly has put forward the case that it is the representative of the nation state of Venezuela, they could make a judgment to recognize that entity. There's historical precedent going back to even the Stimson Doctrine, in which government which came to power uh, in um, Manchuria by virtue of uh, military action was not recognized. Uh, you also have a range of other instances in which the United Nations has stated, for example, that a government which came to power by violation of the charter of the United Nations should not be recognized. And so you have the ability on the part of the governments of the Western Hemisphere to take a stand that hopefully would result in pressure for a return to democracy in Venezuela. Great point. Um, I, I want to follow with you, Mark, and I want to get Antonio's thoughts as well on on, on, on the implications, right? As recognition, not recognition, that's, I think, more clear now. But what are the implications and what are the tools that the international community will have post-January 10th? What are the menu of options for the international community? And, 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 and we both work together on this commentary that, that we're releasing in CSIS that, you know, states few options that the international community have after um, January 10th, right? Including suspending the accreditation of Venezuelan current ambassadors and recognizing the legitimacy of the National Assembly and the Supreme Court in the exile, recognize the previous rulings of the Supreme Court in the exile, pro prohibit any further international agreements with the Maduro regime, and refuse visas to members of the Venezuelan regime. Um, so, what are what or of these options sounds more realistic, more effective to you that the international community can use? And what are other options that we did not include in this commentary that may be helpful for increasing pressure on the Venezuelan regime as well? In a sense, the easiest thing for the governments of the hemisphere and the United States to do, because it's totally within their powers, is not to accept any diplomatic representative of the Maduro government after January 10th. That's the easiest, provided in the Vienna um, Treaty that the receiving state may, without giving an explanation or with giving an explanation, reject a diplomat who's sent from um, the sending state. So that's clear. Um, the second, which is quite interesting, is that the Organization of American States and the United Nations they vote on whether or not to accept a delegation, to seat a delegation. On behalf of Maduro's administration versus... Versus someone else. And so what could happen is the United States and the, the Lima Group could press the, at the OAS and at the United Nations not to seat the delegation from the Maduro government. And in fact, to argue, if the National Assembly has made the case that that you've just put forward, that, that a delegation from the National Assembly 
would be more legitimate at this point, given the violation of norms in the election of Maduro. Um, that's to me is those those are actions that could be taken. If you could allow me there, I think also in the multilateral level they could do it. I mean, at the IDB, Inter-American Development Bank, IMF, World Bank, and all of this multilateral also could be done. It could be. Normally what happens is that those actions in those bodies follows what occurs at the OAS or at the United Nations. And similarly, most of the time, the individual nation state will follow what takes place at the UN or OAS level. In the case of the hemisphere, my sense would be that you have a better opportunity to, um, to put forward that argument at the OAS, given the number of countries yeah. in the hemisphere who have rejected the legitimacy of the election. And that will be a very strong signal to Maduro. Yes. To make all of these pressure tools that Mark and you were discussing, there is a need for a domestic response, right? The, oppos the Venezuelan opposition within the National Assembly needs to respond, needs to step up and assume the role of the of the head of state of Venezuela, right? So I want to get your thoughts because I, I know you, you, you follow uh, domestic Venezuelan issues closely. On what are those challenges that the Venezuelan opposition have uh, regarding January 10th? I mean, on one hand, there is a lot of fear, a lot of repression, and against democratic opposition parties, um, but also there's a lack of unity, right? The opposition uh, is still divided, on, including on January 10th. Um, but on the other hand, you, you mentioned in the beginning that um, we have, the National Assembly will have a new president on January 5th, just five days, five days before January 10th, which is going to be led by Voluntad Popular, which is, you know, a very a consistent opposition, a major consistent opposition party. So how much of all these factors are going to play within the opposition, within the National Assembly? And, and tell us a little bit how are they thinking to respond on this issue of January 10th. Uh, I will start with fear and repression that the government used to keep power. Okay? I think that fear, if I define fear, which is produced by the lack of a vision. You always have fear when you don't have a vision to obtain. And that's important to bear in mind. Okay, and fear and, and repression have been the instrument the Maduro regime uses to keep power, as I said before. And these actions have been executed with the help of Cuban repressive machinery. The question is, Moises, will be how how much fear repression the regime can put on Venezuelans when you have a country with hungry people poor public services, lack of medicine, hyperinflation, into towards a humanitarian crisis. Next year, IMF estimates inflation of 10 million percent in Venezuela. The increase in fear repression will be a factor that would unite Venezuelan people to fight against the regime, especially if it is illegitimate and is repudiated by the democratic governments in the world. Because this should be the vision, repudiate Nicolás Maduro as a president of Venezuela in 2019 by the international community, uh, most of the international community, and the majority of Venezuela. 
and take the action to reestablish the democratic order according to the Constitution. At the moment, as you mentioned, the political parties are united. The announcement of the new president of the National Assembly a couple of days ago is a good signal for it. Right, okay. yes. So January 10th is the beginning of a new game, I think. Mm -hmm. How long will it take? That is a question always asked. It will depend on the synchronization of the action at the national and international level. I understand that is happening at the moment because January 10th also will bring many options to replace Maduro since he will not be a legitimate president. Even Chavis will try to find a way to replace him. Yeah. Some of yeah. fundamental Chavis. Yes. Just on that point, um, I think it's it's important to note that <clears throat> on January 4th, the foreign ministers of the Lima Group will be meeting. Uh, and I think the n number one on their agenda is how they will act and what common statement they will make relative to January 10th in Venezuela. Um, and it's interesting to go back to 2008, uh, the coup that removed Manuel Zelaya from Honduras. All of the countries in the Western Hemisphere basically said, we do not recognize the government that has been put in place um, by virtue of this coup. Right. And it was only after there had been a subsequent election that they recognized the new government in, yeah. in Honduras. In fact, even the United States, which, which took a little bit of a yeah. waffling role there, did not recognize that government that came to power immediately. Immediately. It basically said there needed to be the election. Now, the countries of the hemisphere said uh, Zelaya needed to come back and be put in place before they would recognize the the subsequent government after an election. <clears throat> but the point is that the hemisphere does have a record of saying that where a government comes into being by illegitimate means, then we are not obligated. And in fact, the regional organization has an obligation to reject that government. Let's put ourselves on the day after January 10th a little bit and trying to be creative and, and I know it's, it's again it's a complex issue and it's still a few weeks ahead of us and, and but let's try to to discuss a little bit what's what should happen on January 11th right the day after um, and let's, and then Mark I want to get your thoughts first and then Antonio on what the National Assembly should be doing the day after what are the key measures that the National Assembly should be taken. For example, you have a humanitarian crisis in Venezuela, the Maduro regime still rejecting aid from outside. Is that a, is that a consistent measure that the National Assembly should be considering, considering to take on January 11th? On the other hand, you know, at the end of the day, the National Assembly is not, it's, it's not elected, um, um, it's not gonna be an elected president to lead the head of state. I mean, we at some point we need elections, right? <laughs> so is the National Assembly should be considering to um, announce elections at some point after January 10th? And, but it's hard now because we have electoral authority in Venezuela that responds to the Maduro regime and they're not following free elections at all. So 
Give me your take on, on what the National Assembly should be doing the day after. A couple of points. First, I think this is a decision that Venezuelans have to make, number yes. one. Um, number two, it does seem to me that after, uh, after January 10th, the National Assembly could do several things. One is the point that you make. The National Assembly could vote a resolution calling for international assistance, humanitarian assistance, to be given to non-governmental entities and to governmental entities after the restoration of a legitimate government in Venezuela through elections. That's one. The second is, the since the, origi- the current uh, electoral tribunal in Venezuela is illegitimate itself by virtue of having come into being not according to the Venezuelan constitution, since it should have been this assembly which should have named it following December 2015, right. uh, then it seems to me that the National Assembly could well state that we, we believe that the a new CNA needs to be established, right. and we're, that's what we're going to, to do, name it uh, by a specific date for the purpose of holding those elections. But the other is that it should, it should clearly ask that the other countries of the region go to the OAS and, re, and, and uh, seek to eliminate the presence of an illegitimate delegation and to seat a delegation that's named for, by the legitimate right. body of the assembly itself. I think that's one of the best ones because if they get that representation internationally, they could start talking to international governments and start making putting some pressure on Maduro to a final negotiation. Because at the end, as you said, what we need is an election to reestablish democratic order in Venezuela. So I think one of the, the National Assembly could do is to name those people who is going to be representative of the interim government in Venezuela, because it has to be an interim government, because right. it won't be able to be in Venezuela, for sure. And to make sure that the conditions are following no? international electoral norms and transparency. So it's not only naming the representative of the new electoral authority, Body. but making sure the conditions on the ground are following the basic normal um, transparency procedures. Yeah. What right? you just said, it will take some time. It won't be yeah. immediately, okay? yeah. but you have to put the steps to get into that direction. What about amba- naming ambassadors? I mean, Mark and you mentioned that some ambassadors will may be spelled by some democratic countries like um, Canada, maybe others. Well, Canada actually do- doesn't have any ambassador in Caracas and, and Venezuela. And Venezuela doesn't have any ambassador in, in, in Ottawa. But can the National Assembly, should the National Assembly be naming ambassadors post-January 10th? Is that something that the Venezuelan opposition within the National Assembly is considering to do? Is there any thoughts on that? If they become the legitimate government, they can name ambassadors in those countries that recognize this government as legitimate. I don't think they actually have to wait for that. They clearly could pass a resolution asking the countries that that have relations with Venezuela to oust the existing ambassador, number one. Number two is that they could then 
they could name uh, individuals who represent the assembly. Mm-hmm. The representation ask, of the assembly. Yeah. Exactly, and, and ask that the governments to be recognized, recognize those representatives. And I think the point about going to the OAS, for example, a resolution at the OAS that says we we uh, urge are the member states yeah. to uh, to reject the presence of ambassadors named by the Maduro government and to accept representatives of the National Assembly. That permits the governments to accept the representative of the National Assembly without necessarily saying that there's a government in exile, which I think is a harder to to digest. Yeah. Yeah. We're missing, we, we haven't talked about maybe the most important actor right now, which is the Venezuelan people, right? <laughs> and, and we at CSA have strongly advise and write and discuss the idea that internal and in international pressure needs to be synchronized for for optimal effect, right? So you you need to have pressure inside of Venezuela, which right now is, is pretty much absent. Um, so Antonio, after two decades of political battle of the Venezuelan people, you know, the Venezuelan people are born out or in exile, um, within this repressive and collapsing environment, how how do you see the people responding to this January 10th issue? Do you see any chances for the Venezuelan people to, you know, rise up and 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 you know do their part in terms of taking themselves to the streets, maybe doing some more pressure on Maduro somehow? I've seen the parties at mood, okay that they are changing a little bit. I mean, they are more united at the moment. And if a vision is put in place that the international community is going to repudiate Maduro and it's going to be as an illegitimate regime, that's going to help a lot to start doing action inside Venezuela because the people will start thinking that they are not alone, that they have the help of the international community. And that's going to help a lot in, in Venezuela, I think. And I know that they're having some meetings working on that agenda to, after the 10th to start again going to on the street. But, you know, you don't say that publicly. Right. Okay? They're doing that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts, Mark, on, on trying to, um, you know, uh, and this is going back to the, chicken and the egg casualty dilemma, right, in policy. Sometimes we're waiting for the Venezuelan people and the Venezuelan opposition to step up. But as, as we mentioned, it's been a 20 years of repression. <laughs> One of the last was the un- to be united, and they're showing that on naming the uh, Guaido as a president because it has been accepted by all the parties. Okay, that's a good That's signal. an important yeah, signal. Yeah. yeah. That's important signal. But what the international community can do right now, before January 10th, and maybe within January, within you know the two three days surrounding January 10th, to help to to give hope to that to to those On inside of Venezuela, mm-hmm. even to those within the opposition, to those within the National Assembly, to say, look, we're here, we are with you, um, and, and 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 not only rhetoric but also actions items that they can use 
to prove that they're really backing up the democratic forces within Venezuela. What, what can the Lima group do? What can the U.S. do um, and not wait until, you know, days goes by? I, I think that's a good point. I think it would be u very useful for the Lima group on January 4th uh, to um, approve a, um, a statement or a resolution which they, which they then will present to the Permanent Council of the OIS, which states that given the illegitimate nature of the government of Venezuela after uh, the Maduro government after January 10th, and the, and the existence of the National Assembly as the only legitimate entity uh, of the government of Venezuela, uh, we urge the government, member governments of the OAS to um, request the removal of diplomats representing the government of, of Maduro and to to state that they would accept a representative of the National Assembly with whom they would engage in the normal diplomatic uh, relations. Yeah, no, I, I, don't, I know we're running out of time, but you have the oil sector background and you work in PDVSA. This is also going to impact the relationship between the private sector who are involved in the oil sector in Venezuela, which is the biggest sector right now in Venezuela, right? So how is how is this going to impact the way the private sector do business with Venezuela moving forward? If the, the United States doesn't recognize Maduro legitimacy, it's going to be a problem with the oil companies down there because it's going to be sanctioned for sure. And probably they will consider to leave Venezuela because they won't have problem here. I mean, I'm talking about Chevron. And the other one there is basically Chevron, because Halliburton and all of those are not working at the moment because Venezuela don't pay, doesn't pay the loans that, or the debts that they have with the sector. Right. So, but Chevron is one of the key ones that you have to consider how to deal with that situation. For Chevron, it's going to be really something to think. Yes. Of. I think that the, as I recall, there's already legislation that the United States Congress has passed, which uh, argues, which asserts that um, that any contract or um, private agreement with uh, any entity in Venezuela um, would have to first be approved by the National Assembly. Mm -hmm. Right. You're right. And it would seem to me that that would be an even stronger um, measure in the aftermath of January 10th in terms of a, a recognition of the, the illegitimacy of the Maduro regime after that date and the legitimacy of the National Assembly. And I would expect a new Congress coming in uh, soon after yeah. uh, to be asked to make some kind of statement with respect to that. Yeah, we just saw that. Mark, uh, Senator Marco Rubio and Bob Menendez sent a letter to President Trump asking him not to recognize Maduro and recognize the only legitimate before the tenth of January. Say. Before the tenth, yeah. right? Yeah, that's that's a good signal for for those inside of Venezuela that hey, we're, you're not alone, um, and we are watching what's going on, and we we know the implications of January tenth moving forward. So it's important, um, gentlemen. This has been a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for coming to Thirty Five West. Uh, I hope to have you both soon soon after.
Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to 35 West. Please tune in next week for a new episode and make sure to subscribe to 35 West on iTunes and SoundCloud.